Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's a necessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Through the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword RNR. What are your expectations for the Raiders? Is there, well, less, month, less than a month away from the start of training camp? You know the players. You know the quarterback. You know the coach. I always have a pretty good – I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what a team is going to look like, and I have a pretty strong feeling on it. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm right. But this year I really don't have a strong feeling on what this team is going to be because there's so many questions about the quarterback position and how healthy will Jimmy G be. So what are your expectations for the Raiders as they are about a less, less than a month away from camp? 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines to talk about a guy who used to be the quarterback for the Silver and Black, and you kind of knew what you were going to get with one Derek Carr is Anthony Galavis from the Fresno Bee. And, Anthony, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And I know you're double-dipping, man. You're, you've been a busy guy on your day off as you were on the morning tailgate this morning. Now you're hanging out with us on Unnecessary Roughness. I definitely appreciate you. You put out the piece. Derek Carr looks back at his final days with the Raiders. Here's what he hopes for uh, for them. How did this all come about? Like, how did this whole conversation come about from your end and with Derek Carr? Hey, uh, first of all, for, uh, thanks for having me on with you. Uh, really good to hear from you. I know you're on vacation, so now you're back in the home, so uh, <laughs> welcome back. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, you know, Saturday afternoon, you know, he had his uh, – charity event uh, for the donors uh, for DC for Kids, and the Fresno Bees always invited to go over there because we're one of the sponsors for Valley Children's. And so, you know, I, I, I was doing other stuff at the time. You know, it was hard for me to juggle back and forth to try to figure out what I was going to do that day. I know Derek was here, but St. Tyre, Tyre Valley Children's uh, had us down to go. So it, it would have been, been an eyesore, so to speak, to for me not to show up, and so I was like, I had to show up, because, you know, I want to ask those questions about, you know, his final days with the Raiders, and everybody's wondering, what's on Derek Carr's mind? Uh, what's up? You know, I mean, obviously, he's been with the Saints and OTAs, but all the questions are being asked about the Saints. They're not going to ask about, oh, what happened with the Raiders? So it was my chance to ask him, like, hey, you know, what were you thinking the final two weeks of the season where they told you you're not going to play anymore, you're done, you know, you're, you know, they don't want to risk injury or else you're, the contract becomes guaranteed, you know, fail physical. You know, and I got that chance. And so I was kind of looking at him, you know, as he was answering my, you know, answering my question, and he was very, being very thoughtful about it, as he always is. And, you know, what I took from that was, man, he, he's, He's hurt, you know. He he bleeds silver and black. His family are all true Raider fans, and that, 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 that that's not that's not a uh, how you say. It? There was no lie in that, you know. There right. were true Raider fans. You know, his his uncle played for the Raiders, and he really wanted to retire as a Raider, but things didn't happen. And it was for me to give him a chance of like, hey, you know, what was on your mind? Speak out about it. You know, don't hold back. And you know, for him to you know mentioned his wife Heather about her crying, that's still the deal for him. Like, you know, I, I can't, you know, I know it's a business, but at the same time, it's like, I can't go back if they ask me to go back. And obviously, they didn't ask me to go back, but, right. you know, I just had to ask him those questions like, you know, what was on your mind? You know, what happened? And so we got that. And, you know, there's, I'm sure there's other questions out there that people want to know about, like, oh, did you flip the script? And when, when you're on the field, did you go against Josh McDaniels' uh, Play calls, 
we'll never know until later on, but it's just something that had to be asked. You, you mentioned the, the quote that has been picked up by everyone. The headline all around the NFL blogosphere has been, Raiders made Derek Carr's wife cry. How quickly did that kind of process in your mind? Like, oh, this is going to be the one. This is what everybody's going to talk about. I really didn't think that was going to take off like it did, uh, like a wildfire. Um, <laughs> you know, when he said that, you know, I was kind of like, you know, my eyes were just like, oh, <laughs> you know, make your wife cry. You know, well, that's, you know, that's, you know. That's sad, you know, so to speak. But, you know, I didn't think that was going to take off the way it did, you know, because, you know, people reacted to different things and she reacted, you know, by crying because that was their home. Raiders were their home. And for them to make Vegas their home for a couple of years and then Alameda, Oakland area uh, for a number of years since, since 2014, it, it was a new thing to them. Like, wow, we got to relocate now. Where, where do we go? You know, because at the time... They didn't figure out. They didn't know where they're going to go. They had an interview. He had an interview with the Jets, um, Saints, uh, Carolina. Uh, they didn't know how to go about things because, like I said, their home was the Raiders. You know, they knew they know everybody there. Now it's just a whole new scenery for them. But for you know, for that for that quote to take off the way it did, it's really kind of surprising because it's like, okay, well, because it happened. You know, she cried, and now. Everybody's picking up on that, like, oh my god, it's a business, you know. Every, of course, it's a business, right? You know, and it's uh, it's just one of those things that NFL is, is, you know, how it is. You know, it's it's something that it's very rare where one player is going to play their entire career there, and he spent nine seasons there, and now his tenth season is going to be with the Orleans. So for her, it was just like, wow, we got to start all over again. But hopefully, it turns out to be you know, even better. Again, we're talking with Anthony Galavis from the Fresno Bees. Got a piece out right now. Derek Carr looks back at his final days with the silver and black. Adam Hill, your boy Q, and also DeMond. Go ahead, DeMond. I've got to ask because I'm all for players venting. Like when Kevin Durant hops in a space to defend his legacy, I'm all for it. But with Derek Carr, when he keeps coming out with these quotes speaking about the Raiders, how long do you think it's going to take for him to get over it? Well, when training camp starts and when the week one starts, uh, so it's, it's going to flip the script for him. And mind you, he got the Raiders under on his calendar for next year. Remember, they play <laughs> New Orleans next year. So I know he's probably thinking about that big time. But for him, uh, it'll, it'll revisit him next year, but it's going to be all about faith for him. He's not going to be thinking about what the Raiders are doing. He might, you know, peek and see, oh, how did they get on that Sunday or Monday, whichever day they played. But his main focus, he says, it's all in faith, you know. I want our team to do well. You know, I want my friends to do well, too, but my focus is on faith. So he's not going to be really thinking about what's going on in Las Vegas. Uh, maybe later in the offseason to compare records, but I don't think it's going to really, you know, think, you know, for him to say, oh, you know, i got to think about the Raiders right now. That's a, that's not, Obviously, it's not fair to him and his teammates if he's going to be still thinking about the Raiders, you know, while playing for the Saints. So I think that's going to all start uh, come to fruition for him when he took the script some training camp late July. So you know, he said a couple of things, and I saw people when your piece came out kind of react and say, "Well, 
Derek said in the immediate aftermath that his wife was angry and he had to calm her down. I think that was during his uh, one of his sermons over at the church that she was angry. Now she's sad all of a sudden. What's the real story? Now, I would say you could be both sad and angry at the same time. I think that's very possible. But you're the one that was talking to him. How genuine do you think he was in telling this story to you? You know, Adam, you, you've interviewed uh, Derek before, and sure. you know how genuine he is. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. Uh, back to the Southern Statements, he doesn't do that. You know, everything that he says is, is truthful. You know, he's not going to lie about things. Or like, oh, no, you know, she cried. You know, he's he's not, you know, he's the type of person who, obviously, you know, he wants to give it his all for the, t- uh, for the team, and even the fans, even though what the fans are saying about him, like, oh, he, he's sorry, he doesn't do this, he doesn't win. Obviously, his win loss record is not great, but you know, for him, it's just—I really believe what he said. And like, yeah, she did cry. Um, she might have been angry. Uh, I mean, who who wouldn't like if you told if, if one of your uh, your bosses told you, "Oh, we got to go separate way with you," and that's it. You're going to be angry about it, but at the same time, you're going to be sad. And uh, you know, at what point do you just like, "Oh, I got I got to move forward"? And I think probably, well, obviously, when they signed with the Saints. That's when, okay, a new chapter started, and now they're happy in their new home in somewhere in Louisiana. Again, we're talking with Anthony Galavides from the Fresno Bee here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I say, Ruffness, just got a couple more questions for you. What do you think the reason is, and you know Derek, you talked to him so many times going back to Fresno State days. What do you think the reason is why his name causes such division amongst Raider fans? Like, it feels like half the fan base loves him, the other half of the fan base is glad to see him go. Like, it just, it, no one can agree on how good he was or how good he wasn't with the silver and black. Why do you think that is? That's a good question, Q. Uh, I've always wondered that, too. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's kind of laughable, but at the same time, it's, like, kind of confusing because, you know, you've seen all the, all the years after Rich Gannon retired, you know, where the Raiders had to go to different quarterbacks. It was like a revolving door. Mm-hmm. Like, no, 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 there was no stability there until Derek Hart came in 2014 and then all the way up to, what, 2022, where he was a quarterback for nine seasons. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's that's a good question because you know, obviously, you know, fans want to see wins. And Raiders fans are frustrated. They want to see wins. They saw they got a taste of playoffs in 2016 and and two years ago. They want to see more of that. They want to see wins. You know, and everything starts with the quarterback. So the quarterback, of course, is going to take the fault for it. And so Derek Hart is a fall guy where people are going to be, you know, causing stuff about him and just it's his fault. The, the the offense should have put up more points. I mean, it, it's always going to be that way, Q. Uh, you know, with any quarterback. You know, it, well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in New Orleans. You know, the, are, are the New Orleans Saints going to wreck the 10 wins like everybody's predicting for them to do this coming season? Because that was, that was predicted for the Raiders last year where people are say, oh, they're going to get 10 wins because they got Devontae now. You know, they got all the weapons on offense. And My that's bad. what happens. <laughs> they, they lost. <laughs> <laughs> they lost. They lost. They lost a lot of close games. You know, where, where those the the uh, I don't want to say a player, but it just it just like what the heck is happening? Because two years ago you saw those wins, and then last year now you saw the losses. So right. Just, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Well, maybe we'll revisit this when he retires at some point. You, you can say the name Jerry Tillery. It's okay. You don't. Have to, you don't have to hide it. Everybody remembers uh, the game. Well, well, you got to also just think about the Arizona, Arizona Cardinal game where Rafael fumbled. You know, yeah. the Raiders had that game won. I mean, there was a lot of good that they had won last year. 
Yeah. Maybe if they win all those games, Derek still be with the Raiders right now. Who knows? But we'll never know until we have Josh McDaniels later on, what, five years from now, whatever it is. Yeah, no, you're right. We'll, we'll definitely never know the answer to that. Before we let you go, Anthony, I wanted Adam to ask you the question that he asked it earlier today about – or not asked, but he actually said the comment about the nibble, uh, Adam, and or the feast. Go ahead and ask Anthony what he thinks about that. <laughs> I can't remember my great analogy, but essentially it was like, do you want to just keep – you know, taking nibbles like one little one little meal each day, like a little bird, and maybe maybe making the playoffs, or do you try to take a step back so that you can feast for the next twenty years? I think that's the question that the Raiders have to face in terms of: Do you try to win this year, or are you trying to take a step back so you can build for the future? Yeah, Adam, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I just heard Q before he came on right now about expectations. I look, I'm with Q there. Last year, I was expecting 10-11 wins. Obviously, that never happened. Of course, if those, if those uh, snafus there would have made 10-11 wins, but I... You know, it all starts with the quarterback position. Just, you know, is Jimmy D going to be available come training camp? Right. If not, then who it is? Who is it going to be? Hoyer? Uh, or O'Connell? It, it's just... I don't know. You might... Look, the fact of the matter is if anybody says, oh, the Raiders are a playoff team right now, no. I mean, they, yeah, they got all the weapons on offense, but there's still the big question out there is their defense. Are they going to step up a big play, do, uh, make interceptions, uh, force turnovers, fumbles? That's a big question. I mean, I, Adam, <laughs> it, we'll know by training camp, but right now, I'd say people have high expectations for the Raiders. They need to take a step back and just realize. Bears may be two two years away from this, and and will Devontae be will will he be uh, pay fit? Um, still a Raider. What I'm looking for. <laughs> dominant. Yeah, still a Raider is dominant. Will he, yeah. Will, will he be Will he be patient? Yeah. You know, because yeah. you know he came to the Raiders wanting to win now. You know, and now he doesn't have his buddy as his quarterback. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, Adam. That's Ask me that. Ask me that question in mid, mid uh, August. Man, what a slap in the face to Chase Garbers too. <laughs> oh, Chase Garber, yeah, he's there too. So <laughs> there, there's that. Well, Anthony, man, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. I know, like I said, you're doing double duty as you were on the tailgate this morning. But thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. Now go enjoy the rest of your day off. I appreciate you, Q. Thanks for having me on. No doubt. There he goes. Anthony Galavis from the Fresno Bee on Twitter at Galavis underscore the B. Definitely appreciate him. Good friend of the show. And I'm uh, glad that he was able to give us a few minutes of the time and try to get a little bit different perspective on uh, on his article that he put out that, as you mentioned, Adam is catching on with everybody. It's on every uh, national outlet there, Pro Football Talk, ESPN, you name it. They're talking about it right now, what Anthony had to say or what Derek Carr had to say to Anthony uh, at the event over the weekend there in Fresno. 317 is the time. Many thanks to Anthony. We'll come back, get to plenty of your calls and texts. We got a lot of it, a lot of feedback here. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Jump off the 20, intercepted Amik Robertson. He went up and ripped it away from Kittle for what is another takeaway. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. One of Amik Robertson's two interceptions he had on the 2022 season. Jerron Harmon also had two interceptions, and Denzel Perryman had two interceptions. And that was it. 
That was the total turnovers or total interceptions that the Raiders caused in 2022. Coming up at 3.30, we'll talk to John Costco from Pro Football Focus about the Raiders' secondary. And I know Perryman wasn't part of the secondary, but he was a a guy that made a couple of the interceptions. So we'll talk about the secondary and where they can go. There's only one way to go from where they're at, though, is up as they're ranked number 30 right now, according to Pro Football Focus. But we'll talk all about that coming up at 3.30 with Adam Hill and DeMond Cotton. I'm Hugh Myers. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We've been throwing the question out there about your expectations for the Raiders. We found out about a month from now, a little less than a month from now, training camp will open up. So usually I have a pretty good feel one way or the other what the team is going to be like, or at least I, I feel very strong about the opinion. And this year I just don't know. I feel like there's so many questions, so we throw it out there. What are your expectations? And got a really a lot of good feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line, at 69187, keyword R&R. And uh, this one's from El Paso Raider. He said, yo, what's good, fellas? Q, I'm glad you're back. DeMond was going to start selling dollar stakes here pretty soon, LOL, JK. <laughs> but, hey, I'm actually excited to see a team with a new quarterback under center. I knew what, I knew what Carr was and what he wasn't. Also, to Adam's point, I agree about taking the top quarterback next year. Carr was good enough to take us out of the top pick, but bad enough to miss the playoffs. Facts. Great show. Peace. Hope you had a blast on your vacation. Again, that's El Paso Raiders. So, uh, Adam, to your point, he agrees with you that, you know, Carr was that guy that kept you in between. You couldn't go up and get the, the top dog, but you were too far and you were too far back to miss the playoffs and have a, a real legit run uh, at, at, a, at a title. And I, I hate to tell you this, but Jimmy Garoppolo is about that same <laughs> level. I mean, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo with a really good supporting cast around him, we've seen, can be very good. Yeah, uh, He can be a top-level player. Uh, I don't think he can elevate a roster to that level. And so if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, you're going to be way too good to be where you want to be picking next year. That's just – that's just the facts of it. Like he, right. he's not, he's not the player that is going to lead you to a top five or top ten pick. He's going to put you right squarely in the middle. He's going to be good and not great. Right. Um. And that's again not where you want to be. So that I think that's the the difficult part they have coming into the season. Like to me, when we talk about best and worst case scenario, Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy and leading you, you know, to a say one game within a playoffs or even making the playoffs, that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> Like, to me, the best case scenario is to have him get hurt and to lose every game. Like that's the best case scenario, and I think that's kind of flipped from where a lot of people are. Right? No, you're right about that. Rob in Oakland hit us up and said, "If Jimmy stays healthy, again, if Jimmy stays healthy, I expect incremental improvements that may not manifest in the record. We're behind Kansas City. Lose the quarterback matchup with the Chargers and can't keep sweeping the donkeys every year. We've got tough matchups outside the AFC West as well. If Jimmy gets hurt, we'll be in good position to draft a new quarterback in 2024." Quickly, regarding D.C., he's hurt, and I'm sure he'll move on as training camp approaches. But part of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's evaluation will hinge on how Jimmy and D.C. perform going forward. If Jimmy gets hurt and or D.C. does well in a weak division of conference, the front office will get the smoke. Welcome back, Q. DeMond, Danny, and Jared did well. They didn't sound like a Soul Beat commercial yesterday. So that was uh, from Rob in <laughs> Oakland. Thank you so much for that text. And, again, that kind of goes back to Adam's point as well. It's almost like you got to pick your poison. And also, going back to what DeMond said earlier in the show, that, and Adam said the same thing, no matter what happens next year, no matter if Jimmy G is winning games or not, no matter what Derek Carr does in New Orleans, there's always going to be a comparison. Someone's going to say, well, see, this is why they got rid of him because, look, he's losing games in a weak division. Or, look, he could have been winning all these games in the division that the Raiders are playing in, which is not necessarily the right statement, but it's what will be said. <laughs> it's the comment that we'll hear, Adam. Yeah, uh, there's, there's zero question about it. Uh, and, again, no right now. We're telling you right now that the – 
the Saints at their best are probably going to be better than the Raiders at their best only because of where their division is. Right. If if they both were the same team, the Saints would have a far better season. And you're going to hear but you're going to hear it anyway. And you're going to hear little be ready for this cuz there are Raiders fans that are going to be very hurt next year when Derek Carr takes subtle jabs at the Raiders when they're right. not winning games and the Saints maybe are. Uh but just know going in, they're not in the same position. Right. The Saints have a far easier division, a far easier schedule. They're far more likely to make the playoffs, even if they're not a better team. Right. But no, you're going to hear it anyway. I No, I agree with that 100%. The two are definitely not created equal. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, hustle up and talk to our guy, Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome, Mitch. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you. How's it going, guys? Glad you had a good vacation. Yes, sir. Can't wait for mine. It's at the end of August, but, you know, time flies. <laughs> um, I think our offense is too good. AFC is going to have a lot of good offensive teams, and Raiders being one of them. Um, you know, they have a lot of good callbacks coming next year. So, I mean, we're not, probably not going to win it this year. I think you get a good quarterback for the future, even when you do make the playoffs. I'm thaking Jackson Dart and my boy DJ, Yon Galere. I mean, he's got a brother. Uh, USC lost out of him. Uh, he signed with the Ducks, and his brother's playing with the Oregon State Beavers. So I'm looking forward to if you can grab Dart or DJ Galere, Irregalis. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be some. They're the town. They like the Watt brothers. Well, the big guy. I mean, it's, it's in the genes. It's unbelievable. Sometimes that's what it's got to be, man. It's got to be in the genes like that. So good stuff, Mitch. Thanks so much for the call. We definitely appreciate you. And I mean, again, it's it's one of those scenarios. It's it's almost like pick your poison, right? Uh, but I just feel like with the with the understanding or the not understanding of how much Jimmy's going to play, you really have a hard time of understanding what this team is going to look like because it all hinges on the quarterback position. You know, I think I think. Uh, Devontae Adams could have a fantastic season with Jimmy Garoppolo. But if Jimmy's not there all season, then then what? Right? And, and, the, and the problem the problem that – not, not to not to pick on the caller because I, he wasn't even listing one of the top two. But I've heard a lot of people say, hey, look, what we want is to have a good season, to show some improvement. Maybe we just barely missed the playoffs, and then we're able to get the guy that we want. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, right. in order to get the guy that you want, you have to be terrible. Right. Like, I don't think people grasp that part of it all the time. I mean, a lot of people do for sure, but there are people that say, hey, if we fall short, that's fine. We take one of these great quarterbacks. No, you, it's, it's, do you want to have an okay season and cheer, hey, look, we won half of our games. That's cool. Or do you want to be terrible for the benefit of the future? Like, that's the question. You can't have it, have both ways where you're like, hey, this, we had a nice, friendly you know, eight, nine season, just barely missed the playoffs. Now we'll take our quarterback of the future. No. Right. It doesn't happen. Well, that's and that was the conversation we had last the last draft. You know, they were picking in the top ten. That was their opportunity if they can get up to the number one spot. And even where they were at seven was really low. Right, they had to get up to that number one spot. They attempted to get there and they weren't able to. They were outdueled by uh, by the Carolina Panthers, who went up and made the decision to go get their guy. So now you go into a season like this and you wonder, okay. Uh, you know, are you going to have a really good season? Is this going to be where you go moving forward? Do you already have the guy? Did you draft him in the fourth round, Aiden O'Connell? Could he be the, the, the future of the team? I mean, obviously we won't know until you actually get him out there on the grass. Or are you going to have to dip back into the draft and try to go get your guy and maybe have to mortgage a lot of your draft capital to get up to that spot 
to go get him. We'll get back to that conversation. We do appreciate all the feedback we're getting on the don'tbebroke.com text line and the phone lines. But joining us now on the phone lines from Pro Football Focus is John Costco. And, John, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. And we were talking about the secondary. We saw your, your piece that you put out on the secondary as you were ranking all the teams across the NFL. And the Raiders came in 30th. And that's one spot up from where they were last season at 31. My big question about the rankings is, is it because there's so much – unknown about what or what or who the Raiders have brought in this offseason to try to improve that secondary while they're ranked so low? Yeah, it's a combination of, of that. And, and, you know, thanks for having me on the, on the show. I appreciate it. Thank but you. the, uh, the um, you know, they brought in Duke Shelley, which who graded extremely well in, in Indianapolis last year. And that's like the one bright spot that they have uh, on that team that you can, you can definitively say, hey, this guy has played really good football in the NFL. Um, and, you know, you can expect them to maybe do the same moving forward. But the rest of the unit, you know, uh, has played some good spots in the NFL. But, you're, you know, you're talking about potentially two, two rookies that they might be playing in, in uh, you know, that they drafted them on day three and, and Jacorian Bennett and Christopher Smith. Um, and then it's just a bunch of un- unknowns in terms of the rest of the group. Because if you look at what they're returning from, you know, players that that started. There's no, there's no, you know, from on the Raiders last year. There's no one that was graded above uh, and at a respectable level uh, that's returning for them. You know, tr- you know, Trevon Morig. I know I, I liked him coming out of college, but he hasn't shown it yet. He graded a 54.1 for us last year. Uh, you know, David Long was a 53.6. Nate Hobbs 60.9. So like they, these guys have all really kind of struggled in terms of what they've shown in the NFL, and so. Yeah, it, it might come together extremely well for them this year. You know, the, the new pieces might bring things together, but it's a, it's a lot of unknown to say, hey, yes, these guys are going to, you know, be a lot better than 30th and, you know, 31st what they were last year. I would imagine Shelley is a, a big factor in that. And you mentioned he graded extremely well. I think he was top five among corners last year in PFF grading. But how sustainable is that? I mean, as you look at what this team could be, was that a flash in the pan? Was that a fluke? Or is that a guy that could have taken the next step and be very, very good now? It's always tough to know with that, especially when you change teams. A lot of times when, when players, you know, he only, he only played, you know, he didn't play like a full starter snaps of, of plays for, for the Colts last year. Um, you know, he was more of a, a rotational piece that was really good for them. But when you switch teams like that, it, it is difficult to, like, maintain that success um, because a lot of times you go from a place where they – they utilize you in what your perfect strengths are because you've been with that team for a number of years. They know exactly you know, where to put you on the field so you can play to your best. And now he's going to a new team and might be expected to do more than what his you know, talent ability is. And so, uh, you know, PFF grades aren't showing, hey, this is the talent of the guy. Like, this is what he, he, how good he actually is. It's how his production was last year when he was, what he was asked to do, what he did. So if he moves into a different role uh, for the Raiders than what he was showing in the Colts, you know, it might be a completely different season for him. But, um, you know, from what we saw in Indianapolis, you know, what he was asked to do, he was, he was excellent. Um, and you, you see it all across the league where there's a reason why when, when guys get paid the big bucks in free agency and they go to a new team and they're, they're not as good as what they were in their original team, it's because they're, they're being asked to do something completely different and they've got to, you know, develop into that role 
John, let me ask you about a guy who was on the Raiders last year, but only in a very limited amount of time and had a limited amount of snaps, but he, he played pretty well and was graded really well at Pro Football Focus. That's Tyler Hall, number 37. He was a guy that seemed like he was always around the ball, and I think that he has an opportunity to really expand that role this year. How much do you think he can, he can kind of expand his, his abilities based off the small you know, work sample that we saw from a season ago? Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely could. You know, I, um, obviously he, he graded extremely well. He only did it on 151 coverage snaps. I mean, he was in the back end of the season, um, you know, and his grade was, was excellent, 86.3, uh, in coverage. So there, there is a chance for him, uh, to, to, you know, develop into a, a you know, a bigger role than what he showed last year. I think obviously when he, when you only have 151 snaps and it was, you know, from weeks 11 to 18 is when he played. He missed right. week 13, didn't play any snaps. You know, it was an average about 20 plays per game in, in that stretch. You know, that, that level of play warrants, hey, let's see what this guy can do with maybe, you know, 30, 35 snaps a game. So um, if, if he can be that guy, you know, this is a guy that was undrafted um, coming out of Wyoming. He was drafted, you know, he, can, he was undrafted free agent for, for the Falcons. Um, if he can do you know, what, what he showed in, in small sample size last year and expand upon that, then, then you know, obviously it's another piece that, you know, essentially we're not really projecting to, to be much, at least in, uh, initially. Uh, but, you know, I think what he showed was excellent football last year. You know, he gave up, he didn't give up a single touchdown. Obviously he was only targeted 18 times, but just allowed three first downs, forced four in completion. So those are all really good numbers on a small sample size, and he could, you know, develop into something more. Talking all things Raiders secondary right now for Pro Football Focus is John Costco here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. Go ahead, Damon. John, I've got to ask you, I was listening to Kevin Byard on Bussing with the Boys, and not so much about how you guys grade safeties at, over at PFF, but when it comes to a safety and their job in coverage, working in tandem with the linebackers, we know that the Raiders linebacking core also wasn't as well, but you, someone who played the position, how do the safeties have to play specifically in zone coverage in tandem with the linebackers? Yeah, so there's a lot of communication that has to happen with on the on the back end, and you know from the secondary guys to the linebackers because you, you talk about a lot of the over the middle field type of throws that these guys have to defend. You know, there's a certain depth at which the linebackers are, are you know are responsible for, and then the safeties you know pick up after that. And those guys have to work in tandem. So like in zones, you know, you've got guys in underneath coverage playing. You know, anywhere from 10 to 17 yards deep, depending on the, the coverage call, depending on the down and distance and, and, and whatnot. And those safeties have to, you know, make sure that those guys are, are good as well because the linebackers, first and foremost, have to stop the run. That's what they're asked to do if it's a non-passing down situation. Um, and then, then they have to defend the pass. And a lot of times, they, you know, they're sucking up against the run. So those safeties have to play a little bit tighter so that it makes them not as vulnerable in, in, on those uh, over-the-middle-of-the-field pass plays at the 10 to you know, intermediate level. So it, it, it's really key for these guys to, I mean, it works on for all levels of football at every position that these guys have to communicate, especially in the defense. Those guys have to be uh, sound with each other because not everybody is a Troy Polamalu or a, uh, Ed Reed, where they, these guys can make up for a lot of different mistakes that maybe other players have. And then if you have everybody working together, those linebackers are, are playing disciplined football and they can get back and help the safeties. And same with, you know, front to back and back to front. So it, it works all in tandem. And when it comes to our grading with that, 
um, we do as best as we can in terms of what they're asking to do. So, like, when, it, when they talk about these play-action passes that are so, you know, prolific in football nowadays compared to just 10 years ago, uh, those, those linebackers have a really difficult job. So we're not, you know, from a grading perspective, we're not crushing them in, in grade if they, they happen to do their job, right? Like, if they do their job, we're not downgrading a guy, even if they might be the primary coverage guy in, you know, that's supposed to be covering that because he's, he's got a dual responsibility. And it's the same thing with, like, with the safeties, too. So they have a, an even more difficult job because they have to make sure they don't get deep beat. So, you know, they're, they, if, they're, if they're having to protect the, the linebacker, um, and they have to stay deep on that. There's going to be open throws over the middle of the field at times. So it, it all it all plays together. Obviously, like like you're saying, and we have to, you know, we we account for all that. It would seem to be the Raiders' plan if if the secondary is bad as expected, and as the the grades would indicate, they could be uh, to just get to the quarterback quick enough to not make it matter. I mean, does it, does it seem like that might be the defensive strategy for the Raiders this year, especially adding a guy like Tyree Wilson at the top of the draft? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you can, the first line of defense when it comes to stopping the pass is that pass rush. And so if, if Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson can constantly get pressure on the quarterback along with the interior defensive line, um, it makes the job of the secondary easier. But the secondary also can make the job of that uh, defensive line easier by locking things up for the first sec- two and a half seconds of a drop back. So a lot of times in the NFL, quarterbacks get rid of the ball in, in about two seconds, and almost almost no player no matter how good they are, can really get to the quarterback and affect them in that short amount of time unless something's schemed up or your name's Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett or something like that. Even Max Crosby, he's, he's, a, he's an excellent, excellent uh, pass rusher. He doesn't have the get-off that, that those two type of guys have. So um, he's, he's a very disruptive player, and if, if you know, that combination can help the secondary, it, obviously it, it makes, makes the whole defense look good. So I know that... You know, you talk to coaches all across the league. They they want to be able to, to get pressure on that quarterback, and that's what they're going to try to do to help protect that that secondary for sure. I know what Max Crosby's next tattoo is going to be. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be doesn't have enough get off. <laughs> that's Max. Max is built like that, right? He's that guy that will find something to <laughs> motivate himself, which is not a bad thing. That's why Max is who he is. Again, John Costco for Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio Nine Twenty. Necessary roughness. Go ahead, Demond. Yeah, I've got to ask you safety specific when it comes to the Raiders. Trayvon Morg, where his rookie season it was hey just play center field, play deep, and last and last season it was just in Patrick Graham's defense they wanted him to do more at that position in safety. Last season he was only around a fifty with his PFF grade. How do you think a player like that could improve? Yeah, I think I think you know second year in the system, second year with this coaching staff, he can he can definitely improve because he's a guy that obviously has talent. He was drafted. Uh, in, in the second round, I know a lot of people thought he was a first-round talent. As a rookie, uh, like you said, he played a lot better. Um, yeah, middle-of-the-field type guy, um, didn't, wasn't asked to do too much as, as a rookie, graded out as a 71 uh, overall. Last year then, then dropped down to 54.1 overall, 49 in coverage, which is obviously n- none of that is good. There's a lot that didn't go right for the, the Raiders' defense last year. So I think with with another year with the coaching staff and this, this system, you know, you've, you've brought in the, the rookies that, you know, Bennett is a, is a, has a speed for days. He's a guy that could come in there and really make a, take a starting spot. If anything, I like Christopher Smith out of the draft. He's a, you know, you know, have the pedigree of playing at Georgia, being a, you know, being a, uh, a two-time national event, you know, defending national champion or whatever for the uh, Bulldogs there. 
that means something. It really it does mean something that these guys can come in day one and be ready to go. Um, and it might it might make things a lot better for that secondary. But I, I do like Morig because uh, what I saw from him in college and what I saw from him as a rookie, nothing really went well for this defense last year. And, and when you're talking about multiple players, you know, not grading well, a lot of that has falls onto like maybe scheme wise, new system, new pieces all together, trying to make things work and trying to figure things out, and maybe doing too much outside of your comfort zone. And you know, it's good growing pains for for a guy to have like that. And uh, I know that he he missed a couple of games early in the year. He probably I think he was injured, so that probably plays a factor into not playing too well. But uh, you know, I, I I like his his potential outlook if he can get back to that rookie form. Before we let you go, I did want to ask you about Marcus Epps. He was the guy that the Raiders brought in pretty quickly in free agency. He played a lot of snaps last year for the Eagles. What do you think, as a guy going to a new team, new scheme, what do you think that he could bring to that Raiders secondary? Yeah, I mean, he brings a lot of experience and a lot of, like, you know, he has played well in the NFL in the past. And last year, he didn't, he didn't for us, didn't grade out as very well. But from a run defense standpoint, he was an 84.4. It's where his, his coverage ability, you know, he struggled. He allowed... Uh, you know, more more catches than you'd expect from from the position. Um, you know, the the seventh most receptions allowed from his position, which you know isn't great. But if you look back to 2021, he graded at a you know w- one thing that's been constant for him is his run defense has been excellent the past couple of years. He's an 87.6 in 2021. So he's a guy that you can trust to be in the box, uh, a movable chess piece for this defense, and and make some plays definitely in a run game. And then he's got the experience that like. He can, he can, you know, maybe tie some things together for this defense. You know, you're talking about a team that almost won the Super Bowl last year, uh, played a significant number of snaps for them. Um, he can do that again, you know, for, for the, the Raiders this year where he, you know, t- maybe ties some things together. He's not a guy that's going to be, you know, an interception hog or anything, but he's going to line up in the right spots and maybe get this team, you know, this defense in, in the right position and make some plays in the box. It should be interesting. That secondary has to be a lot better. That that defense has to be a lot better. It's going to start up front, obviously, as Adam mentioned, uh, but the secondary has got to do their job as well. Well, fantastic stuff, John. Uh, your piece was really good. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, my next piece is going to be on Kyler Murray and, and what his mm. potential outlook is for the, this year and the future if he's a franchise guy. That's going to be interesting. That really is. The, only, the last Kyler Murray memory I have was him running around at Legion Stadium, and nobody could catch him, right? And he had that game week two against the Silver and Black that no Raider fan wants to reminisce on. But that's definitely an interesting conversation about the future of Kyler Murray, so we'll definitely check that out on Pro Football Focus. John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, happy to be on the show. Appreciate it. There he goes. John Costco, Pro Football Focus, at John K-O-S-K-O, Costco3 on Twitter. You can check him out in his work at Pro Football Focus, talking all things secondary. And, yeah, that question about Kyler Murray and his future is going to be interesting with a new coach, new, you know, everything there. You know, are they going to be committed to him once he comes back from that ACL tear, which I personally don't think he's going to come back at all this year. But, again, that's just me. So how about this? How about – we hooked something up, right? Uh, we talked a lot about vacations as I just got back from Hawaii. And how about we send you to Hawaii? Now, don't get too excited. Don't get fired up and call in and be like, oh, Q's sending me to Hawaii right now. No, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get an opportunity, right? <laughs> we're doing this Lotus Summer of Fun. And what we're going to do, we're going to qualify you to win four tickets to an Aviators game and have a shot at winning the weekly grand prize. And this week's trip is five days in Maui and $1,500 cash. 
Or how about this? This is pretty cool. You could take the trip or you could take the cash. So in this situation, you could take the trip to Maui and $1,500 cash or you could take $3,000 cash straight up. Call it a day. It's almost like that. I want my money and I want it now commercial, right? Give me my money. Run me my money. <laughs> deal or no deal. Right, exactly. There you go. Take the trip or take the cash. It's all part of Lotus Summer of Fun. Again, right now what I'm doing, I'm looking for caller number nine to get you qualified, get you registered to win four tickets to an Aviators game. Then on Friday, we'll let you know who's actually in to win the big grand prize, which is the five days in Maui. So you want to get one step closer to the, the, big, the big shebang, the Maui trip, the $1,500 cash, or the potential of the $3,000 cash, hit us up right now, 702-365-9200. DeMond standing by, looking for call number nine, trying to get you in to win. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at the top of the hour, we got cover three NFL news and notes of the day. I'll throw a couple different subjects around the National Football League. I'll throw it at Adam Hill, and he'll give you his thoughts on it, including some players that are going to be suspended for a lengthy period of time, including potentially a whole season next year or this upcoming year. Uh, the NFLPA has a new executive director, uh, a couple other little nuggets here and there. Cowboys linebacker Michael Parsons got some stuff going on. The Chiefs Sky Moore has some stuff going on. So we'll get into all of that coming up at the top of the hour. But we've throw, thrown out a lot of questions out there. I threw a question about the expectations of the Team in, in 2023, the silver and black. So it got a lot of feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Before we get to that, I did want to shout out my guy Jason, who uh, got qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game and now has a shot at winning the weekly grand prize. This week's grand prize is a trip for five days to Maui and $1,500 cash. Now, I can tell you right now, Adam, and I, I was going to say, would you go, are you going to go cash or trip? You were just there, so I think you go cash. I would go cash, but I'll tell you this, and I don't, I'm not trying to put down the, the trip at all, Maui and $1,500 is not going to get you far. <laughs> like, $1,500 ain't going to get you far in Maui. Like, I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to make it downplay it at all and make it not sound like it's fantastic because it is. Five days in Maui, though, is going to cost you some coin. I'm just going to throw it out there. Sounds like somebody is having a little sticker shock from their vacation. Man, I'm trying to tell you. I, look, there's a reason why I got another show to do about an hour after this show wraps up. Right? I got I got to work, 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 man. I, I told the family, you ain't going to see me for another six months because I ain't going to stop working. I got to pay for these uh, this trip that we just took. That is so. why, Q, I highly recommend to everybody. I, I rotate where I go in Mexico, but I'm almost always in Mexico or the Caribbean somewhere because – Look, there's a lot of things you can you can knock about the all-inclusive uh, experience. Yeah. Like the drinks are watered down, the food's not great, all those things, but guess what? You, it's all free. It all comes right. with it. Like it's it's such a it's such a nice experience to go on vacation and just have like a set price of this is going to cost. Now, I end up going out every night anyway and spending money, you know, out on the out at the clubs and everything, but um to just have that understanding of like hey, this is how much the trip costs. Right. I love that aspect of uh, of the Caribbean. No, that makes a lot of sense and and I want to go somewhere like I don't know, like a Puerto Rico or something. I would okay. like to go there. Oh, some good spots in the DR, man. See, there you go. Yeah. Dominican Republic. I'd love to go there. I mean, there's there's some there's some spots that I'd like to go. Um, but again, looking at the sticker shock of what we just spent in Maui, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere for any time. Cabo, Cabo is so easy. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cabo's real easy. To and get then to. the plane ride to Maui. Let me tell you, man, six yeah. hours. I'm ready. I am about hour three. I'm looking down at my little app that tells me how much longer I have. I'm like, I still have three hours. What have we been doing for the last three hours, bro? Cabo, two and a half hours. Let me. I've told this before, and I mean, I'm derailing the show now, but oh, that's okay. Uh, I've told this story. I went to Australia to cover a uh, Holly Holm Ronda Rousey. Oh wow! 
Um, I get on the plane and I start freaking out because I'm like, this is a long flight. Yeah. Now I travel. I travel all the time, but that is a different experience. Yeah. So I, lo- I start looking in Qantas Airlines. By the way, highly recommend if anybody wants to go anywhere Qantas flies. This is a, not a paid endorsement, but Qantas Airlines is insanely good with the food options, like the entertainment options. It's great. So I start. What is it like? Through. Soul Train or something? Or Soul Dude. Plane? I ain't never been on it. Dude, no, it's just the food is great. Put uh, they they brought a snack at one point. I had a friend that was like 15 rows behind me on the flight. He got up, ran to my seat. Have you tried this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we looked up who the chef was for it was amazing. The so, chef? Yeah. We're like, who makes their food on this thing? Right. So, like, I'm used to getting little snacks, nah, like bro. little cracker wheat thins. Bro, Qantas is a game changer. All right. But I start looking through, you know, they have the entertainment options on the seat. Like, oh, what can I watch? And I was like, oh, look, they have they have the entire first season of Entourage up here. I love that show. I've watched it before, but let me check it out again. So I'm like, let me sit here and watch. So I watched the first season of Entourage, 10 episodes, 30 minutes each. And I look at the thing and I realize we're a fourth of the way there. <laughs> wow. It is yeah. tough. I can't, it's man. It's a tough flight, man. I'm telling you, that six hours, especially flying back, when you fly there, at least, you know, at least, like, we took off at what, um, 9.30 in the morning from Vegas and we flew straight shot there. Well, when we get to Hawaii, it's 12.30 because we, you know, we gained three hours uh, of the day. So it doesn't seem as bad when yeah. you look at the clock. But when you get on the plane at 8.25 and you don't land in Vegas until 4.45 in the afternoon, you're like, what the hell just happened to my whole day? What happened to my day? And not to mention you got kids there kicking you in your back. So there's always <laughs> – that issue as well. 3.55 is the time. we got a couple texts that we'll get to, but we got cover three NFL news and notes as we kick off hour number three of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.